Hello, everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is Fried Squirms, and we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. And this week is going to be Shram, if you looked at the episode title. But before we get there, we got things to get to, like the getting stoned part. So we'll get to our green hits, start off this episode right. Danny, what's this that you brought me that I have to relight because I just knocked it out? No worries. So this week, I went by one of our favorite dispensaries. <laughs> Can you guess which one? But anyway, I picked up a pack of Sour Diesels, and with that being said, it is one I know we've brought over several times, but for those who don't know, it is a sativa-dominant hybrid. It's a 90%, 10% split on that. Sometimes it's known as Sour D, sometimes it's known as Sour Ds. It is a cross between a Mexican sativa and a Kim Dog phenotype. Now this one... It can leave you feeling creative, energized, euphoric, happy, and uplifted. The flavors on this, you'll get some candy notes, citrus, dank, diesel, skunky, and sweet notes. And the aromas that accompany that are dank, diesel, and sweet. And over at Flower, this one clocks in right around 26.5%. You got me choking on this sour D. Yeah, so now that I can like walk and move and all that good shit again post-knee surgery... I actually got my ass back over to Greener Pastures for the first time in quite a fucking while. So you got some Orangeade, a cross between Tangy and Purple Punch. Flavors are going to be more of citrus mixed with like sweet, but more like the floral side of sweet, sort of like a bouquet. And it's more of like a mood uplifter. One of those like, (laughs) get you nice and happy high. And... Not so much like buzzy, energetic, but not like low and like stoned either. I'm down regardless. And I can't remember what the percentage on the THC was on this. I That's it, okay. it didn't print off right on their little thing. So as far as their little label says, it's like 0.00%, which I know is not fucking true. So. No, because I'm <clears throat> pretty high over here, so I know that's not true. <laughs> All right. Also, we just like to remind everybody we do have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Go check that shit out. Even at our lowest level, you could have heard all of this last week. And, you know, from there on up, you can get things like stickers and Discord and access to anything else that we might do that isn't just this podcast, which hasn't been much yet. But, like, we went to movies. We went and talked about them. That's true. We'll get shit up there. Don't worry there. about it. There's going to be more <laughs> shit coming too as like we get back to like living more normal oh, type no. lives again. It's coming. Especially because like I'm getting my fucking booster in like a week, something like that. So I'll even be even be more I'm like, fuck you, Rona. <laughs> be more boosted. Anyway, those are the green hits. Maybe we should just move on to the guts and bolts of Shram. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. The who and what went in the making of this movie. Stay spoiler-free. Start with your spoiler-free setup. I mean, it's sort of set up from the get-go. Spoiler-free, a serial killer is dying, and he's reflecting back on parts of his life. Like, him dying isn't a spoiler. It's not. That's one of the first things you see. Dude, if you see the poster or anything related to this film that's usually the first thing you fucking see so just be warned so that's the setup yeah and i know i already jumped way ahead but that's a brief warning yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, I like it. It's a brief setup of what this film does entail. And from week to week, we do like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. And this week is a gentleman we've actually talked about before. Reason being is we've talked about him on episode 140 when we reviewed The Toad's King, The mm-hmm. Death King. And another one of those guys, he's got some interesting films underneath his belt. Uh, some of those films include Necromantics 1 and 2. Now, he did come back and direct an episode of Lex, the television series, back in 1999. Now, that particular episode is entitled 791, for those who are fans who might know that episode. I think we talked about this briefly when you know we were reviewing the Toad's King. Is he did a comic series called Captain Berlin. It was a stage show, and then he also did a film back in right. 2009, the Captain Berlin versus Hitler. He's also a part of Video Nasty from 2011. He did the film Green Frankenstein. He helped on the segment Final Girl for German Angst, not to be confused with angst. angst. Yeah. And last year he did a documentary short called Schweinchen. Wait, did we mention that it's Jorg? Yeah, or okay. <laughs> So uh, now, because of that, you're going to see his name pop up all over the place, along with several other people. And those people include Franz Rodenkirchen, who helped him write the script. Now, we did talk about Mr. Rodenkirchen back on episode 140 once again. And along with Der Todsking, he helped on Necromantic 1 and 2 with the writing. Our cinematographer, another gentleman we talked about before, this is Manfred Ojelinski. He was a cinematographer on Der Todsking. He was also the cinematographer on Necromantic 2. He's also a producer, writer, director, editor, man of all kinds of trades. Now, all three of these gentlemen I just mentioned are editors on this film. The music was composed by Max Müller and Gundula Schmitz. Now, Max helped on the short film by Jörg Budkreit. It's called Mein Papi. He also helped with the film In Route and What Might Have Been. And Gundela also helped on Mein Papi. Special effects were done by Michael Roman. He helped on A Touch of Heaven, which is another short by Budkreit, and A Journey into Bliss. The producer was Manfred Ojelinski. The distributors for this were Manga Films. They helped with the Spanish release in 1999 on video. In Barrel Entertainment helped for the 2001 United States DVD release. It had release dates in 1993 in Germany. didn't specify what day or month or whatnot it was on. And it actually had a premiere at TIFF, which is the Toronto International Film Festival in Canada, on September 14, 1994. And there is a tagline. It is, today I am dirt, but tomorrow I'll be just dirt. All right, so moving into the cost of Schramm. Very minimalist cast, actually. You know, there's several people that you do see, but just the main players, essentially. Mm-hmm. I have Florian Corner von Gustorf, who plays the role of Lothar Schramm. Now, this gentleman, once again, he's actually got some interesting credits. He's more or less a producer in a lot of television series and some film, more so than acting these days. But uh, he does make an appearance in Necromantic Part 2. Okay. All right, we have Monica M. She stars as Marianne. She was also in Necromantic 2. And the other two people I have are Misha Brendel and Carolina Harnish. They are the Believers 
right, Jesus but, people yeah. in this. Yeah, I mean, there's some other people. Like, for instance, there's a guy who plays a religious figure okay. a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. He goes by Michael Brintrup. Now, he actually directed a film entitled the same thing, which I'll mention later on mm. once we get to all that shit. Franz Rodenkirchen does make an appearance. He's the dentist in the film. Michael Roman, he's the guy who did the special effects. He actually makes an appearance. I'm not going to mention who he plays until we get to it. But yeah, that pretty much runs all cast and crew. Like I said, it's very minimalist. It's an indie film, so go figure. But uh, we should give you some warnings heading into the next section. Oof, warnings. There's some killing. Oh, yeah. Like, let, let's start off on the light side. This is about a serial killer. There's some killing. Yes. To be expected, I would hope. With, you know, like some blood and gore effects. There. <laughs> let's see. Where to begin on the rest of it, though? There's nudity. So you're going to see There's nudity. both female and male nudity. There is... On-screen genital mutilation. Yes, there is simulated sex with objects. Yes. I mean, how simulated? Like, he was up in it, right? Anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about that. I'm trying to think something else. Anything else? I mean, there's like... Your I mean, there's just stuff. like some disturbing imagery, too. Yeah, yeah. In some of the things he sees and shit. I agree. It's not much of a spoiler, but I mean, there's... It leans into art house, so it will get into surreal kind of mm -hmm. territory at times. But yeah, outside of that, well, there's there is a little bit of body horror too. Yeah, language. Yeah, I mean, it's if there is, it's not much, it's but it's subtitled. German, yeah, it's subtitled. <laughs> you know, so either if you understand German and they're cussing at each other, maybe more than what the subtitles show. I mean, I would be cussing in some of these circumstances. Granted, yes. I don't know. Anyway, I guess with that. Like, just be warned. <laughs> There's some fucked up parts of this movie. If you're familiar with Jogbutkreit, you're going to understand where oh, we're coming from. Th they don't go too far into it, but there's definitely necrophilia. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, that kind of comes with the name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. With that, I suppose we can just get into it and find out how Shram made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, first things first, I realized that we forgot to mention it back during, like, the green hits. But we'll continue the warning that coming up through the middle of December, we will be taking a couple weeks off. And basically, we'll be back in time for Christmas. Because we love you all. We want to spend Christmas with you. Exactly. We'll be back to celebrate the holiday cheer. But in a couple weeks, when we suddenly go blank for a couple weeks, you've been warned. Right, but I would imagine for those who aren't subscribed to our Patreon, you might be able to catch up in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that might work out. That might work out. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, Shram. <laughs> oh, Shram. You've seen this before, right? Or I had you have, okay. actually, because, A, I do own it, but I'm trying to think. I, I want to say I'd seen this prior. Yeah, I had seen this prior to me owning the Blu-ray copy. Okay. Yeah, I sure had. So this was my first time. How long had it been for you? Man, that's a good question. I want to say, oh, shit. Like, were there bits that were still surprising? Because I was not expecting yeah, some I mean, parts of this movie to come Surprising, meaning, like, I didn't remember things quite the way I thought I'd remember, mm. but not in, a, like, a shocking manner. It was right. just, like, there were certain things. It's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot how this played out. Or maybe I imagined something 
that wasn't quite the way it played out on film. Okay. You know, that kind of stuff. It was more like fragmented kind of false memories. But it has been in between this weekend and the last feeling, but God damn, probably at least a decade, maybe a little bit longer. Dang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good flick. I'm trying to think how to really lead into this. Before we get into the details of the movie, this kind of does what I wish, not all, but maybe like more serial killer based media did and like not show them as cool. Cause Shron's not cool in this. No, he's not. He's kind of a klutz. Yeah. Like you might come away feeling a little bit sorry for him, but that's only because he has kind of a shitty pathetic life. Yeah. Yeah. What more can you say? Not because, you know, like, oh, they showed him in a sympathetic light. It's just like, he's still a shit heel that makes the choice to kill. But you kind of get to see what mentally is holding him back through some of the surreal sequences. And yeah. You do get more of a glimpse into the psyche of a serial killer. And that was his aim. Mm-hmm. He's outright said that. He said a lot of cinema, when you watch serial killer films, essentially, is that you would see it from the detective's kind of narrative more so than the serial killers and he wanted to change that now this isn't something that hasn't done before because we've talked about maniac and some other films Mm -hmm. as well along the genre but coming from him it's interesting because he does play with the art house realm and he's an independent filmmaker and we kind of know about his guerrilla shooting and stuff like that so yeah this is an interesting take on that and then even like opening it up with the pons realm quote just like oh shit yeah, I mean, well, like I said, like this is my first time to so open it with that, and I'm like, I know who that motherfucker is. Like, he probably killed over a hundred people. I can't remember. He was convicted on far less, but that's because it was like right. turn of the century. They, you're yeah, hanging I mean, the forensics and stuff. Yeah. It didn't exist. So. Three or thirty, you're hanging the same. Right. It might as well be the same. You're right. Doesn't make a difference. At so point. at a certain point, they're just like, cool, we got him. Yeah, I'm just looking at a few things here based on him. Said he was only convicted or. Five murder victims were confirmed, but he was suspected of killing over 100 men in total in the United States and suspected of killing numerous outside the country. Mm. You know, and some of his deeds include sodomy and things of that nature, too. So there's that. Like, so Shrum walked so House of Jack built could run, right? Like, that's kind of what I got from watching this movie. Yeah, no I'm like, this is kind of the same movie, except he's not defending himself. No. We're just getting to see kind of a little bit from his viewpoint, but not in a way that's like, oh, no, feel bad for him. It's just like, no, this is just, <laughs> this is what I do, here you bro. go. This is my, what this dude's dealing with. This is my day. This is the, sh- yeah, this is the shit that's going on my head. still a piece of shit. Because he chooses to kill because of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't feel like it holds back from that, especially at the very end. No. Who he gets bitch slapped by. <laughs> yeah, it's that's what I was getting at. I was trying to refrain from saying who that was. What I find interesting in this film, too, is the way that he uses like fragmented scenes or pictures, if you will, throughout the film that wind up kind of wrapping around on themselves. The, the fill-in, like, oh, that's why... We saw this little glimpse of this. It's kind of foreshadowing something later on. Mm-hmm. And it all, you know, it makes a bigger picture more complete. Whereas, you know, in his mind, everything's fragmented. So I, I kind of like that about this film, too. Fuck. I mean, we'll go sort of like Lonesome Death of the Lipstick Killer. Yeah. First off, like, 
Lipstick Killer isn't a cool nickname. So once again, right from the get-go, I was like, with this movie, like, cool. This isn't like the werewolf of London or oh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this is, is the Lipstick Killer, the lonesome death or lonely death. Of even like Zodiac Killer sounds cool, right? Right. Nah, Lipstick Killer. Nah, you sound like fucking loser boy. Yeah, like <laughs> Lipstick What That kind of entails and implies a lot of different things or conjures a lot of different mm-hmm. images. I don't know. From the get-go, I feel like just the way, like, even the way the movie is set up, I ended up having to take a lot of fucking notes on this movie, even though it's... Yeah, it's only an hour and six minutes total. That's it with the credits. But some of it seemed so important, and, like, I'm still trying to put it together. He's laying there dying, and you hear the knock, which you find out is Marianne. Right? That's her name? Yeah, yeah. But then his mind flashes to the evangelicals. Showing up, trying to be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? No, never. Who's she? But it's like you're having that knock uh, to, like, let Jesus in while he's fucking starting to die. And he instead chooses to flash back over to Marianne before completing that fucking memory. Yeah. Because he first flashes back to what, like, to her knocking the day or the night, two nights before, four nights before. Something like that, yeah. This film doesn't take place over that long a time. No, it doesn't. You would think maybe a week or so, a mm-hmm. couple weeks, something like that. Not very much time. And to her coming in and, like, hiding out because one of her clients likes to be alone first. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, you trust him? He's like, that's his thing. He's paying for it. And then when the knocks continue, he's like, oh, shit. Okay, so I guess I have to think about, like... yeah. The fucking, the couple I killed. Not couple, but you know what I mean. Right, 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 right. I know what you're saying, though. Now, what I found kind of interesting, once you kind of get an idea of some of the shots and his techniques, book rights, that is, something that stood out to me was kind of a trademark signature shot of his is the use of, like, the rotating camera. Mm -hmm. He likes to do that shit. That was one of the opening shots that you see. And uh, a question which I think... This film kind of answers, which is more or less kind of rhetorical at this point. At first, I was questioning as like, is Lothar's brain while he's, you know, laying there in the pool of blood, his own blood and paint. It's like, is his brain still functioning even though he's dying? Like there's technically about a seven minute window before you lose all brain function. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm thinking. I was like, is that what's catapulting all these fragmented thoughts as he's laying there, mm. you know, so that was my question. Yeah, the next couple of minutes I get is you hear the knocking. Then you get, like you were saying, those evangelicals come over asking about, you know, Jesus crazy. And he's like, oh, yeah, come on. I got some cognac, got some coffee. Like, sure, why not? I loved the way that played out just because, like, we've seen serial killer shit before. Yeah. When he suddenly switches gears to, like, do you want cognac? Do you want coffee? You're expecting them to get drugged. And him to just fucking pop out and slash the dude's You're fucking like, throat. God damn, dude. Yeah. Like I, that took me by surprise in like a really good way. I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> go for it, Lothar. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And he did. He, he yanked homeboy's neck, got him while he was sipping on the cognac. And then went to fucking town beating on her for a minute. Yeah. With a hammer. Uh, so it was hammer time on her forehead. So this movie mostly replays the same things a number of times over and over Mm -hmm. in just different orders. 
and like exactly. super edited, but it's implied that he's killed a few more people than just them, right? Yes. I think this one was a lot more impulsive because it was at his place mm-hmm. as opposed to probably somewhere else where he kind of, you know, get away with that shit. Yeah. So I feel like this one, at least in my opinion, yeah, he's done it before, but this one was a little bit more impulsive. Right. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one getting that feeling. You know what I mean? Oh, that, no, like the movie's no. implying that he has been a yeah. serial killer for a little this bit. Is, now. Those two were not his first. Right. No, I don't believe that. It's just never really outright stated. Exactly. Exactly. You just have to kind of, like I said, put those fragmented pieces back together because I do think it tells you that, or at least implies that. Yeah. I think that a lot of the editing. And the way he approaches things around his killing implies that. But <laughs> I'd be hard-pressed to tell you how it implies it. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, I could right. watch it and be like, this is the feeling it's given me. Because Boudreaux's a great fucking director. Yeah, and, and he has a good way of telling tales that aren't very traditional in a mm-hmm. sense, you know? But... Like, based on what you actually physically see in this movie, you could argue these are his first, and I don't think that's the case. No, I don't either. I think it's hard-pressed. I think he'd be a little bit more sloppy, even though it seems like that, but I think he would be. Because you got to think— Although I also can't read German and did not pause on uh, the newspaper article. Not only that, all right. Maybe the newspaper article is sitting there like, suspected of killing 57 people. Question for you. Now, this one— isn't a hypothetical. This is, this is. I mean, just opening correct. with Ponsram quote implies more than two, right? Right. I would think that. I think there's guilt. There's some association with guilt. Mm-hmm. But the question I have has a lot more to do on which streaming. I would assume that you watched it on Tubi. Yeah, yeah, because it's 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 nice streaming and free right and now. streaming on yeah. Tubi right now. Okay, yeah. so. My first view, I did out of convenience, even though I own the film, because I was like, shit, I'll just watch it in my bedroom mm-hmm. my, for my first view. It's easy, whatever. And then my second view, I just watched it. I have, it's the Colt Epics version of it, the Blu-ray. Okay. So it's like a box set. Now, the reason I asked that, because I did a cross-reference in the scene. Man, my OCD kicked in real fucking bad in this scene. Like I'm like, I even was talking to myself, I was like, why am I wasting so much time trying to figure this shit out. And what I was trying to figure out is in the scene where he does kill them initially, Okay, there is some voiceover that those two have, his victims. But it's not translated. It's not, you don't see the closed caption. You just see him like sitting on the couch. Then it goes into, I don't know, where he's like, you know, Mm -hmm. putting them together and all that shit and then does whatever. And they have that voiceover. And I'm trying like, I don't know what the fuck they're saying. Like, so once again, it's not closed caption, so it's not translated in English. But there's something there that they're saying that I think would give a little bit more maybe depth into what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like, this is not his first time. Maybe it has a little bit more to do with that dialogue. I don't know. I'm just assuming. But I was just trying to figure it out. Man. I could not fucking find out nothing on that. So for our German listening audience or speaking audience... Let us know what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> that shit had me going crazy. 
I kind of wish that I could just re-listen to that scene just right now again and try to pick it out because I'm like, I understand a little bit of German. Yeah, it's like there's the little I things I can pick out. I did way too many years but... acquire to not understand a little bit of German when you have to sing a fucking song in German like every goddamn year when you start doing some of those higher choirs. But... <laughs> no, that's understandable, yeah, because the composers make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, that had me hung up a little bit. But anyhow, I kept reminding myself, it's like, that's not the most important aspect of this film. That's just something you're hung up on. Like myself, I was like, I need to move forward. So I did. So with that being said, what that leads to is I started noticing that he's having more of like mental psychosis because he's hung up on his leg. So with his leg, it's shown a couple different ways through the movie. Mm -hmm. He's just lame, right? It's not a prosthetic. Because it's shown as a prosthetic in a couple scenes. Right. And I think that's more in his head. Right. Like okay. That's how he views his leg. That's what I eventually came around to, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't the other way around, where no. he does have a prosthetic, and he's still imagining having it sometimes. No, I think it's just as a part of his psychosis is that, yeah, he has a lame leg, but it's not like the way he envisions it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like. <laughs> no, I think that's probably what his because when he state falls off shit. the ladder, yeah, it shows it as, as a prosthetic, a, right? But I don't think that's the case. I just think he was in his head. Mm. Yeah, when he's losing his balance, he's like, "Oh shit, my fucked up leg." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. But that's what I got out of it. I could be wrong. You know, I have been before. I'm just saying I could be wrong. But that's how I interpreted that. Well, it makes sense because like a lot of this movie is sort of showing his feelings of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because Shram is kind of a loser, yeah. but he's not as big of a loser <laughs> as he thinks he is. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think he he's too hung up in his head about shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas, like, yeah, he's just a normal-ass dude, but he makes it no, worse. No, he doesn't have a great existence. Right, but he makes it worse by the... He's, like, just living inside of his head, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to throw shade at Shrum. No, I mean, fuck it. Throw shade at Shrum. I mean, it's like, a character. He's a fucking serial killer, yeah. too. Like, fuck his... It's just a character. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, because some of the shit with his leg... Dude, when he fucking wakes up and imagines it, like... Gone. Amputated. Amputated. Yeah. And he, like, fingers the fucking... Yeah, the... Oh, yeah, the Fingers his bits. fucking... His stump. <laughs> his fresh stump. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. Not like a stump it's, stump. His fresh no, stump. it's fresh. It was like... It literally just fell off. And it's just this stump, and he's picking at it. Like, oh, damn. It's like, it's like fucking, you just, like, cut a fucking grapefruit in half. Yeah, it's ripe. It's like a ham bone. And he's like, is it, nope, nope, I can feel all around. It's not still attached. Yeah, it's definitely not there anymore. Damn. Yeah, so that's why I feel that's more in his head. That's like a nightmare dreamscape kind of thing he's having. So the like the jogging dream where it just suddenly hurt one day, that's probably know. kind of true. Probably, I mean, he's you know he's middle aged, or at least it's implied he's probably somewhere around that age. Look, that's basically what happened with my fucking knee. So like, it's relatable. We all get. I get we have it. Pains. It just it's just weird. Maybe it's just inflammation, and he's like, <laughs> you know, who knows? Homie, take some fucking ibuprofen. I know, chill, bro. <laughs> get a massage. I also kept thinking in the beginning, the few times they showed it, I thought the marathon was going to be more tied to him, like, picking victims or something. Mm, mm. But okay. 
No, I don't think so. No, no, no. I think this is more to do with just the whole lake scenario thing. Right. Well, we get like a two minute cut of just like it almost got like surreal. And I thought I was tripping out and (laughs) some bullshit with just like watching the legs run on screen for like two minutes straight. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of not a lot, but there are sequences where you see runners or at least images of people running. It's a little bit of a motif in this film. A light motif, if you will. All right, my next note that I have is after all that stuff plays out with his leg, is Mary Ann is asking him if he would help her out. She's got some new clientele. They live like 30 minutes away. She's unsure. She, you know, will he help be a driver? And he's like, sure, right? So after he does that, it appears (laughs) that a client shows up and is having some heavy sessions mm-hmm. and he's listening Lothar does and uh, this is where we get introduced to uh, a little sex doll he has because he's going to town on that thing <laughs> okay so so the pipes in the apartment complex are like perfect that like he almost doesn't have any choice but to fucking hear yeah, every time she's fucking stereo for him yeah <laughs> So, you know, he makes use of it because he is who he is. All right, beatboxing. But, like, him going to town that heavy on his fucking fuck doll. (laughs) Like, he's scooting the fucking better. Like, she knows he's fucking tugging him out to her, right? Oh, yeah. Cranking that soldier boy. (laughs) Because there's no way you're not hearing his fucking bed go through those fucking walls, right? I'm sure. She's She's a sex worker. She's... Not into the shaming department, I would imagine. Not unless you pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> but just, you know, as a matter of fact, I think she probably is aware. What I thought was interesting, though, is I don't know why it seems so interesting, but it feels so in tone with this movie that when he's not getting to finish with one of his victims, the camera itself becomes uninterested in his finish and pans early over to the bathroom while he fucking comes in the other room. And then you get like two minutes of just getting to watch him fucking rinse out his fucking sex doll. That's fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> it there's something, it was actually yesterday morning I figured out about this film. I want to mention after we uh-huh. review the film, Thoreau, but I think it is a key to unlocking the film. And I'll explain in a little bit. So. As you guessed, I did uh, watch this on Tubi. Okay. Because it's free it's on free. Tubi yeah, right I'm now. like, what the fuck? Why what? wouldn't I fucking watch it free and on, it's Tubi on Tubi right Tubi. now? Um, what? That kind of blows my mind. All I bit. have to do is worry about fucking ads, right? Oh, big Whatever. Deal, yeah. Grew up with ads. Whatever. Not a big deal. It It is annoying sometimes, but it's only annoying when I'm paying for it. I'm looking at you, Hulu. I was like, I was going to say, I was like, this is the price of admission you pay. In this case, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm not paying for it, whatever, throw ads my way. I'll get a little annoyed, but it ain't the worst thing. This time, it almost added to the experience because it was almost like there was a built-in fucking ad break. Because as soon as he got done fucking completely rinsing out his sex doll, and he gives like a little sigh and hangs his head, it went right to fucking ad. It's a perfect TV edit. (laughs) Perfect, perfect cut. That's awesome. And I fucking laughed really hard. And there was no way that Jorg could have ever guessed that that was no. going to happen. Oh, come on. But it was the perfect time to cut to ad. 
somebody maybe working in Tibi was like, all right, this is we're going right? to see this. No. This is perfect. <laughs> and then it comes back and he's having the dream where he's fucking dancing with a pro and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, some of that stuff is, it reminded me a little bit of last week when we reviewed Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm. When I say a little bit, it's because of the way that the hobo envisioned that Abby character, mm-hmm. you know, where he knew what she was, a toot, but he kept calling her a school teacher and shit like that. You know, he envisioned her as something more than what she was. He held her on a higher pedestal. Yeah. 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 You know? He put her on a pedestal just in general. Right. Which I feel like this is the same thing that Lothar's mm-hmm. doing to her. But he has some other feelings about that later on. Takes her to her new job. Yes. We get very brief glimpses of what she's having to do. Dude, that's weird well, as fuck. What isn't the it? fuck? Hitler party? Yeah. All right. Now, did you catch? I'm sure, this is pretty obvious, but did you catch what he was listening to in the car while he's out waiting outside? There's a brief because he's flipping through the channels on the radio station, and there's a brief little. It sounds in, sounds like it was in French, but there's a brief blip. Didn't catch oh, it. Okay. All right. Didn't catch it. Like so while he's sitting in the car and she's doing her little Nazi party, there's. It sounds like it's in French. There's a little blip about Jorg Bootkreit's necromantic. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, shit. That's a little ego. That's director's fluffing himself right now. But I thought that was kind of neat because what this leads into is I think he dozes off in the car because he has a dream about the dentist, the Salvador right. Dali. And this is where I feel like, oh, this is kind of neat. They actually made a mold of that guy's face, uh, mm. Florian. And the reason I say Salvador Dali is if you're familiar with, there's a short that Dali did with Luis Buñuel. It was called oh, uh, Un Chien Duan, yeah, yeah. Lugia or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's hello. Because the fucking dentist is carving out the eyeball. Which that was dope too. That was good. It was cool. Right. That's all practical. Like, so they made a mold of his face. If you watch the making of, if you have access to that, they show how they did all that stuff is really neat. Same thing with, the prosthetic leg and all that stuff is really neat. So when she comes back out to the, you know, him in the car and stuff and is describing her experience in there, I did notice she gives out one line really quickly where she's like, it seemed like there was somebody in the other room, but I never. Yeah, exactly. That ends up being her, right? Yeah. it's You know it's, what it's, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yes, 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 yes. That's. I was to say some of the dialogue too, because things are so fragmented and that scene's so fast. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This film plays a little bit with, has to with psychology. Where her story ends up, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I feel like they're blaming. We'll get to that. Whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get there. I know that this is away. a spoiler section, but like, this isn't a long movie anyway, so we'll get there soon enough. Right. <laughs> Yeah, after the ride, after all that fun stuff, Lothar has his hammer time moment with himself. Right, so the way that scene is cut up, and you can see the blood stain on his on his undies, mm-hmm. he had his hammer time before he started working out, or has he had hammer time before and always mm. uses the same pair of undies? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I knew we were going to go... Not necessarily this route with this particular also, equation, but... 
were parts of his hammer time just literally cut out of this movie and used in uh, Pan Olympics? <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> if not, there you go. It needs to be. I think you're on to something there because as I was watching this film, I was like, I know there's a lot of space in this film for open dialogue, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily unreliable narrator. You could say that some of it could be because it's fucking serial killer. He's dying. He's got whatever mental psychosis going on. But because I, like, I think ah. the most rational people, right. what he does feels it like a one-off thing. Right? right, right. But I think this is more ritualistic. Right. Like, it's more of a, like, Albert Fish sticking fucking needles in his groin sort of thing. Right, That right. motherfucker was now, doing that shit all the time. Maybe to help out with that is Bootwright said that when he made this film, he was studying biographies of different serial mm -hmm. killers. So, chance to reason that he probably came across Albert Fish, you know, I mean, good chance. So, it wouldn't surprise me. Picking them little things from different people and, and interjecting it in this film makes sense. I do know Ed Gein was like a major influence, but huh, who the fuck has any influenced? Right. Right. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Cause I was sitting there like, I guess the blood looks fresh, but like, but is it a delusion? Is it, is it literally that's, flesh? Blood? That's the other thing. Right. It, it can literally be in his head. Cause he has already started fucking. I feel like, having hallucinations at different points through this movie so far. You can help me with this. You can correct me if you feel like I'm going astray with this. But I feel like there's a part of this film, with Shram in particular, Lothar, is where he's suppressing his sexual urges with the living, and he's mm. acting out his urges on the dead. I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that myself, but I don't see why that would be wrong at all. Right, because I feel like we're coming up on it here shortly with a live character where he suppresses his urges, but it's implied through some of these visual, like artsy scenes where he's, you know, a necromantic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's it. That's his thing. He's a necrophiliac. But anyway, I had that inclination. I could like, so I could be wrong. I don't know, but that's kind of what I get. All right. So, well, it seems like he feels like he's unable to perform with the living because of his leg. Yeah, as I'm saying, yeah, he, he feels like he might have inadequacies. Mm -hmm. So even though he has these urges, he's like disciplining himself probably for having those urges. Like, why would you even think you could fuck this person? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she earned that nice little dime, she offered us to take him out to dinner. There is a. <laughs> oh, hold up. In, in my notes, I, I actually put this right after like his fucking hammering the fucking nails through his fucking foreskin and shit. Cause we just kept saying hammer time. Let's talk about what for this motherfucker. Oh yeah, did. man. We were he fucking, he draws yeah. a fucking bullseye using lipstick. Lipstick. Yeah. Right on his fucking ding dong and fucking good. What? Like a good three or four nails right At through least. his fucking foreskin. Like, yeah. I'm like, why dude? Now there was a part of me where I'm like, Oh, you're showing this much anyway. Like just go for it and make him come through it. Oh, like, do that! <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. That would have been pretty. I mean, you know, that was I, a weird uh, way for me to edit that. Pretty no, it would not be pretty. It would be interesting, is what I'm trying to say. It'd be interesting if they showed that. There was a part of me that I was like, just make them come through it now. Just, just do it. Like, yeah, like, uh, you're already going there. Let's, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming. But then, like, the, the whole time, like, he's having his victim fantasies of like. 
flashing back to like getting with whomever. Yeah. The way it's edited, it looks like it, <laughs> it looks like the believer chick, but mm. that kill hasn't actually happened yet, which no. is part of where I think he's definitely killed more people. Right. And I, I feel the same. I don't think it's the same person. And you know that like he has these feelings of inadequacy and he definitely has these feelings towards Marianne and he's doing all this shit and going so extreme. And I had to put in my notes, he feels like this giant loser. He feels inadequate. Here's a reminder. He can literally just go pay her. Dude. All right. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Like she know you were saying that like she has to know that he's next door beating off or fucking whatever he's doing Mm -hmm. to her while she's fucking. She doesn't come. I don't think she goes over and asks him to be a driver just out of the fucking blue. Right. Who does that? They have to have had some kind of encounters prior. It would it at least seem, and because he can hear, it's just probably assumed that she can hear just as well of what's going on across the walls. So, yeah, I do feel like, dude, all you'd have to do is probably just say, hey, you know. But this is like that like weird like narcissistic part of fucking serial killers where he has to be special. Thank you. And that's kind of what I was getting at too, is like as a part of that dominance and even though all he's ever thinking about is getting with her, which he can literally go pay and do. He has to be special. Right. He has to be the, like you said, the only one, the special one, whereas he probably sees her as maybe not necessarily virginal. I don't think he's that delusional, but Mm -hmm. Maybe not quite as tainted as she is in his mind. Right. I think, I mean, I literally think he thinks of her as someone he can cure with his penis. Probably. You know what I mean? Like, I have the power to bring you out of this. (laughs) So you ain't 50 cents. Shut up, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that doll again. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's got all kinds of delusionals running through his head with her, right? I think that's where the dance sequence... Him holding her on a different mm-hmm. plane, a pedestal, what have you. Yeah. So this wraparound, yeah, she's like, she's mentioned she's got the penny. She's going to take him out to dinner. He just mentions like it's abstract. The dinner play is like, not really. I sup- what, maybe for 1993, 92, mm-hmm. 93. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than him phasing out for a second, second at the dinner, like it doesn't go that bad. No. This is where I'm saying that like. He's kind of a loser, but he's not that big of a loser. Like, no, he but can... what happens, what I think is happening, is he sees her pull that money out, those francs, and it immediately goes to his mind. It triggers, like, how she earned that money, and then he sees some dude she's on yeah. the bed with, and he's like, God damn, she's treating me with some dick money. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's already starting like that. Yeah, no, I agree. That's that little thing inside of them. Because when they walk, yeah, everything seems hunky-dory. They're like walking back to their apartment or whatever. Uh, they pass a dude on the street. See, I I like that you brought that up. Like he thinks of the dick money because there's two parts of this where it starts to turn. Yeah, it's kind of unraveling a little bit. And I think that's the first part of it is he's like, I'm out here having like he's having a great time. He's right. like, I'm having a nice dinner or a lunch with her. Yeah. Maybe Spending it's not going, you know, it's not a fucking fairy tale, but it's going fine. Yeah, it's like good time. 
And then he's like, oh, but she's treating me with dick money. That's the first click. <laughs> yeah. The second click is while they're walking home and he's like, maybe we can go get dinner sometime. And she doesn't even acknowledge that and says, oh, that reminds me about some couple days from whenever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About needing some help a couple days from now with my next yes. clients. Yep, exactly. And as soon as that happens, the camera stays in place and we see that right after he gets quote unquote friend zoned. Yeah. Suicide. Yeah, there's a fucking rando suicide on the street yeah, where the guy blows think his brains out. That, that's not happening. That's a giant melodramatic of moment. Of course it is, man. And some people could say that's like the director jerking off into him right there. <laughs> but I thought that was an interesting moment, A, because of what you were saying, but B, because that's actually the guy who did the special effects in the film. Oh, cool. Michael Roman. So that's him playing that part. But yeah, like right when he gets friend zoned. Yeah. Yeah. Poo yeah. And they linger on it for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Let you know it probably hurt. Yeah, it looked fucking good, dude. It did look good. They know what they're doing. Um, all right. Oh, that should have been a warning. <laughs> Frank images of suicide. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that, but yes. I mean, like I said, it comes with the territory thing, mm-hmm. but we, we've already talked about the Death King, hello. Shit, right? <laughs> All right, so they're back. She wants to turn it in, but he I, doesn't. To me, that's the last bit, and that's where he ends up. Yes. Because I don't think he would have went through with sexually assaulting her that night Mm-mm. if she had replied. Not, I'm not victim-blaming. I'm not putting no, this on no, no, her. No, of course not. Of course not. But I think... In his twisted head, that's where the last gear fell into place is when she friend zones him out there and he figuratively fucking blows his brains out out in the fucking street. <laughs> yeah. That's where he's like, well, now it doesn't matter what I do to her. Mm-mm, it's kind of fair game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't want to uh, get caught and I don't want to no, kill her because she's still the one, at R- least for now. For now. Exactly. It's just like, oh, I got to find my way out of this box. So what does he do? He invites her over. He's like, I'm not tired of yet. Even though he's intimated at dinner that he's not having any alcohol. And so mm-hmm. it kind of catches her by surprise. Uh, but while they're inside, you know, they're, they're having drinks, whatnot. She finishes her drink. And uh, he's like, you know, stay for one more. Why not? Yeah. You know, can't just have one. Right. We'll yeah. have one more nightcap. It. And what does he do? What does he do? He does the old classic. Well, it's kind of neat, too, because you have a little bit of extra tension built up because he avoided the drugging at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, shit, now he's offering her drinks. You know what comes? Drugs. Yeah. Oh, yep. shit, wait, what? I thought it was going to be a knife. Uh, yeah, no. Nope, it's uh, it's definitely not that. He drugs her drink. It works. It's efficient for what he does. And, uh yeah, he starts to take her clothes off, then he starts taking photos of her, and uh, then he starts cursing at her, calling her a whore, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of explicitives. I don't necessarily have to explain them all. I think you can kind of get it in the uh, line of work she does. Uh, but then... Jerks off all over. Yeah, it's like, then he jerks off. Now, you could say, this is kind of what I was getting at, too. It's like, yeah, not condoning it. Not, not, I'm like, no, hell no, I'm like, against all that stuff. But if he really wanted to, he could have had his way with her is what I'm getting at. Right. Right. But he didn't. He's always had some measure of restraint with her because of that pedestal mm-hmm. she's on. No, I'm That's also... why I'm saying I'm not blaming her, no, but no, 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 it no, 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 wouldn't no. have went to this part 
if she would have responded earlier because he would have been more restrained. All right, this is totally hypothetical and probably one of the more fucked up hypotheticals on the show we'll have is if it, if it wasn't her, just another random woman in that place, do you think he would have played out the same? Oh, I think he would have just fucking slit some throat again. Yeah, but my questioning in, in that regard has to do more with the sexual aspect of it. Do you think he would have raped then killed or oh, killed I think it, then? I think it would have been like what we saw in the flashbacks already. That's kind of what I'm getting at, too. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm thinking this character is more he's still prone. working up to it with her. Yeah, he's more prone to it carry out his sexual intercourse with the dead than he is with the living, is what I'm trying to say. Whew. Anyhow, yeah, that's fucked up. So, um, yeah, after he, he masturbates and does all that stuff, you get this interesting thing with the vagina dentata. Dude, that was some of the most disgusting fucking dentata I've seen in my life. Because that's, that's the thing. Like, he gets so close. That's what I'm saying. That's what made me think that. And like, it's this weird... It's, it's, it's almost like it's almost like it's taunting him because it knows it knows he wants pussy, but like here's this disgusting octopus, oh, it's got teeth, fucking gnarly old man <laughs> pussy. Oh god, they look like a beaten up purse. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so you get that, and that's where I wrote my question. I was like, do you think he's afraid of having sex with women who are still alive? I don't know. Chance to reason, perhaps. Not soon after that, what she wakes up. He's just pretty much like, yeah, you just passed out, so I'll just let you be, you know? Mm -hmm. She goes next door. She's getting ready for her day with those guys. And this is where, actually, I think we're at the beginning of the film, and this are starting to play themselves out again. Right. You have the believers show up. Right. This is actually how them. things played out. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, all that stuff that happened the night before transpired into the morning, leech into the morning. She left. Those fucking believers happen to come over while he's still probably in this like mental state. And it's like, fuck it. They're here. This is a good chance for me to mm -hmm. go ahead and like I've already busted once. Let's go. Uh, let's go for the record. <laughs> yeah. I can bust <laughs> twice. <laughs> I, you know, like we've already seen what happens because we've talked about it earlier with that couple and um, in the whole paint thing, like he starts to paint to cover up the blood you know, and then, yeah, it's implied that he freaked out for whatever reason. It's, it doesn't really specify why. He's not very high up on a ladder to begin with. No, it's just like a couple of steps at best, a couple of feet at best, three, four feet tops. But he trips and hits his shit right. I and just honestly, yeah, it's like you, you hit the nail on the head, no puns, but he hit it himself just right. Because otherwise, Mike, that's something you can just pretty much dust off. Like, Right. It's more embarrassing than anything, <laughs> you know, but it fucked him up. And, uh, yeah, he's laying there, and not too long after, you hear the door knock. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So because he's laying there, and he's dying, and Marianne's unaware of that, she goes to the clientele, and one of the last images we see is her tied up and gagged, bound and gagged to a chair in her little Nazi regalia, and uh, that's that. So I'm thinking, like, yeah, she's probably going to get all kinds of fucked up. Well, I feel like the film is sort of indicting Shram a little bit for that. Like, a little bit, this yeah. Is, this is the consequences of your actions. You're not there to even help the ones that you do care about, mm -hmm. even if it's a fucked up, weird relationship caring. dynamic, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You still weren't there because whatever. But 
like I don't know. That felt that yeah. feels like a reach for this movie. Like, I, I th- yeah, I just think it's it's like a domino effect more so than anything. I don't think it's necessarily making that comment, even though it's there. It's totally there. I think it's more effective just to have him getting bitch slapped by Chad Jesus. That's kind of yeah. I know I glossed really didn't even mention it, but yeah, as he is dying there, all those memories start to flood back. The way all that's edited, <sighs> I, I like do feel though. like he has a moment where he could have called out to her. Yeah. And he kind of chooses not to. Yeah, he's probably embarrassed and like, I'm all fucked up. <laughs> I got like those bodies in the yeah, other room. Yeah, it's like, and... she don't need to see that. I just busted <laughs> again. <laughs> she don't need to see that. But yeah, he uh, he runs into um, early 90s Jesus and gets smacked down, literally. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's seems like that's that for him. He's probably going to hell, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I already talked about what happened to Marianne. So you could say, yeah, because of his actions and shit, it led to her demise. But not necessarily, dude. I think that would have happened regardless. I think Nazis led to her demise. That's what I'm saying. I think that would have happened regardless. It could have been anybody in his place. Yeah, and she said that there was enough of them there that even though they're old men, like, I don't think he's overpowering all of them. No, fuck no, dude. They would have fucked him and they up. And they're all super fucking wealthy, it seemed like. They got some sort of security in there. He's yeah. not doing anything to fucking help her. Yeah, no, no, no. But that, man, that opened up a lot of questions about who the fuck these people are, which I know that's not what this film is saying, but it, it's kind of intimating it, stuff like that, though, you know, which I thought was interesting. I did like the use of introducing like the guy's childhood because with serial killers it's something always happens it seems like that triggers mm-hmm. this traumatic event in childhood you know and then whatever you know these series of events play out and it has this domino effect as I, i've already mentioned but i'm kind of curious about this because he's called the lipstick killer all right we see a bunch of lipstick in his drawer right before he dots up his pp mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's like Hey, where's he getting it? Is he buying it? No, I doubt that. I think he's getting it from his victims. But that had to start somewhere. And I think it starts with his memory of who he was chasing in his memory. Oh, his sister? It's never really says who that is. But I think it's something like that. It could be a sister, a cousin. I don't think it's she's old enough to be an aunt or anything like that. Could be a neighbor. But I think it's maybe a babysitter or something like that. But I think it's something along those lines. Because there's even a wig you get to see a little bit of a wig in that drawer, too. So that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff that's left unanswered, even though it's not necessarily the aim of this film, you know. But it makes me wonder that. I kind of wonder if there's people that watch this movie and see that end sequence and feel like he kind of gets off light because he does get to have some of those memories again, and they seem to be, like, happy, fun memories. Yeah, something like where... He Whereas, looked, like, yeah, by like this a, point, you feel like he should be getting punished. More severe than what we saw. But I kind of liked it because I felt like it humanized him, not in a way like, oh, no, feel sorry for right, him right, right. once it's, again, but in a way where a lot of fiction that focuses on, like, just mm. the detectives, the serial killer is practically not even human in those monsters. They're a monster. They're this thing that's striking from the shadows. Yeah. They're this evil that's just there to be destroyed right. or I've... or beaten in some way. And in this, it's like, no, like, he's a person. And that's kind of the scary part of it. Like You've already mentioned it. It's another one of those things, too, where I think this film is making a critique of it as well, given the time period, is with the use of nicknames with serial killers, how we... Not we, like me and you, but 
the media tends to sensationalize serial killers, mm-hmm. you know, make them kind of like these almost mythical people. You know, there's fucking weird idol worship of serial killers. But I think what this film does is it's the counterpoint to that. You know, it's like, no, this guy's not glamorous. This guy's fucking, he's got all kinds of fucked it's up problems. A fucked up person. Yes. And there's Still nothing a person. glamorous about him. Even the newspaper heading, like you said, mm-hmm. the lonesome death of the, the fucking lipstick killer. There's nothing glamorous about that. It's, yeah. Not a glamorous and not a monster. Not something that you can just put right. this on unnameable evil. Right. This is a person who had feelings and didn't deal with them correctly. I think it's more humanizing what a serial killer probably is. It's, yeah, it's a human being who has these range of emotions. Maybe not so you know, much as, as a normal person, so to speak, but it's still an, an interesting dive into that mm-hmm. because it lets you know, it's like, yeah, these are, these are probably people you run across every day. And it's weird. Sometimes we might even have some of these inclinations, but we don't go to those lengths or extents that these people do. Right. I, I find that interesting because I hate to say it like this sometimes, but sometimes I'm watching this and like, man, I've had these weird feelings before. I've never carried them out like this, but it's like, yeah. These are like normal feelings for some people. You know, we tend to do weird stuff. We, you know, we tend to go to some weird depths in our mind sometimes. Just it happens. But we all don't carry out on these feelings of whatever we're having like he does in this story. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I'm saying. There's like there is human humanistic elements to this character. Like he's not a complete monster or not this some mythical creature or whatever. I think it's fairly effective in that regard, you know. That's why it reminds me of more so of like Henry, more so mm. than Maniac, even then there's little elements here and there and mm-hmm. some others sprinkled in, but I think this is a little bit more of a companion piece to like the Henry mode of serial killer storytelling. Although Henry, the way it's portrayed, it's it's almost a little bit more like this is the way he sees himself. Like yeah, this is yeah. the movie is just the way he sees how cool he is when he's doing it. Yeah, even though it's yeah, grimy yeah. and he's a piece of shit. Right, right. But there still is a, an element of like, yeah, I'm kind of cool. I mean, when we talked about Henry, he's just getting the fuck away with it. Oh, without a doubt. All over no, the place. It almost seems with impunity, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think it necessarily glamorizes, but I think, yeah, it does have that aspect to it where he just kind of does this with no repercussion, it seems like. Mm-hmm. God damn. No, anyway, I guess I, I dug the flick. Oh. I got a secret to tell you. Oh, yeah. What's the secret? Okay. So this might be the only time I've ever done this with a film. I like soundtracks. I like scores. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that several times. That's not the secret. The secret to this film is actually the soundtrack itself and the title of the fucking songs in the, the mm-hmm. soundtrack. For instance, <laughs> I went through and, and okay. got them here, right? And these are just the name of the songs in the film. And they're in German. And I, like I said, I don't know a lot of German. I know bits and pieces here and there. But as the film plays out, there's stuff like, for instance, uh, Schramm is tot, Schramm is dead. Mm. Schramm läuft, Schramm running. <laughs> and then there's uh, Waschbecken, Waschbasin, mm. where he's washing out his fucking fuck toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Die Glücklichen Tage der Kindheit, which means the happy days of childhood. <laughs> right? And stuff like that. Schon weit auf when he sees the doctor is like wide and open. 
Oh, okay. Nice and wide yeah, or yeah. something like that. Right. So I was doing that. I was like, I went on this site. was doing more of a, a direct translation as opposed to like a Google mm-hmm. translation. It's like this fucking, the soundtrack is telling you what's literally happening in this film. As the songs are playing, like there's a song called Vagina Dentata. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a song called uh, Nagaun, which means now. Mm. Stuff like that. There's one, uh, when you translate, it says you can't stand on one leg. <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, Kunschaft, which is clientele. Okay. Stuff like that. So I was like, man, all you have to do is look at the soundtrack. You don't necessarily have to watch the film. You should, but <laughs> soundtrack's telling you what's happening in the film. And I was like, that's kind of neat. That's kind of interesting. I didn't realize that until I started doing some translating. Hell yeah. So is there is there one called Fingering My Stump While Screaming oh, on My Bed? Oh, man, there should have been. There's even one called Frozen Dishes. Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of, that's interesting. Which is before the Lord. Okay. You know, stuff like that. Looking away. And then that's that. Yeah. Tot, I was like, that makes sense. Tot, tot means dead. Toad means death. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I'm learning. <laughs> this film's making me learn. Is there like four rusty nails through my oh, forest skin? <laughs> I hope not. Well, we, we got Nagaun. So yeah. uh, there's that for nail. I just got to learn rusty through my penis <laughs> through my foreskins <laughs> Jesus man but you know honestly the more I think we watch his films the more we're exposed to this style of of extreme cinema mm-hmm. the more I'm like man this is just more artsy than anything I can see yeah maybe for the time period where people are like oh this is fucked up mm-hmm. Which, you know yeah okay I, I you know mm-hmm. I can see that argument but I'm like, man, this is fucking tame in comparison to a lot of things we have done, even a little bit more extreme. But yeah. I still like it because he does go the art route with it. He does tend to go in different places where our directors maybe not tend to go, which is interesting given mm-hmm. too, you know, this is German cinema. Some interesting things they had to do with the censors and shit in, in Germany. I caught a little bit where he talked about shooting locations. So... They would have certain locations already picked out, but they wouldn't let people know where they were shooting at any given moment, you know, unless you were mm-hmm. working with them. The reason being is because they were hiding negatives, because if their negatives would have got caught, then all their shit would have been captured by the sensor board mm. and none of them would have been distributed. So they had to do a lot of hide and seek with the sensors because of that shit, which I was like, that's nuts. That's nuts. We're talking 1990s here. That's crazy. Yeah. So... Uh, as far as the big four from Bootcry, we've got half of them done. Yeah. And the other half are literally uh, a duo. We'll so, get to them at some point. Yeah, of course we will. But I'm like, this is fun. This is an interesting journey because I think more people would be, their entry point probably be necromantic. But uh, I like the way that we do our thing. Yeah. Oh, next week. Haven't picked it out, but. We'll go figure it out. Yeah. Like usual. But for this time, I Doug Schramm and I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. <laughs> Fried squirms out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, 
or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.